Uh, you don't have bulletins today, but if you did, you should know the title for this message is Refilling the Tank, colon, the who, what, where, when, and why of spiritual recovery. Got that? Refilling the tank, the who, what, where, when, and why of spiritual recovery. So let me help explain this a little bit. Um, how many good St. Louisans are cheering for the blues right now? Oh, you, that's, that's all that you love the blues? Okay, that's a little better. Uh, okay, now let me um, let me quiz you. How many uh, how many players skate on the ice at one time for, per team? Five. Six. Okay. Now, how many uh, players are on the Blues roster? Anybody know? Twenty-five. Close. Twenty-six. Okay. So my question for you this morning is this: That means for every one player skating on the ice, there are three guys just sitting on the bench collecting a cool thousand dollars a minute to watch the game. How does that make any sense? Why Why? Why do the Blues invest their money this way? We gotta rest. Because we need rest, exactly. Because from what I understand, uh, from the past two weeks that I've cared about hockey now, <laughs> what I understand about hockey is that it's, when you're out there on the ice, it's basically like constantly sprinting for a minute straight while, oh, by the way, the other team is sprinting at you, trying to kill you. Um, so you take shifts every minute or so to allow time for recovery, for physical recovery, right? So what I want us to study together this morning as we continue to work our way through Mark's gospel together as a church is the example that our Lord Jesus set for us of taking time for spiritual recovery. Now, I want to say two preliminary things about this. First of all, the idea of spiritual recovery is related to, but somewhat distinct from, the practice of Sabbath. Okay, so in Christianity, we have inherited from the Old Testament this call to carve out one day a week, not to work, but to simply rest with God. Uh, this came up two weeks ago in Donnie's uh, sermon from Mark chapter 2, where Jesus called himself the Lord of the Sabbath. Jesus doesn't say, I came to replace the Sabbath, but rather to fulfill it. So we hear in Hebrews 4, 9, that there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, but now Sabbath is no longer a duty, but rather an invitation, because Jesus has met the righteous requirement of God's law that you and I could not, and so now he offers us rest in him as an invitation. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Right. And so when I was originally um, outlining this sermon for Church in the Park, and I was thinking what would make for a nice, inviting message to preach out in the public for all to hear, uh, I thought, yeah, I'll preach on rest. We might just turn up the volume and get even some uh, really tired out parents over there on the playground, say, does somebody say rest? And, and, and wander over and join us, because who doesn't want to hear the message, hey, you deserve some rest, right? But as I started to look more closely at these selected verses scattered throughout Mark's gospel, where we see Jesus taking time off to rest and recover, I realized that's really more what it is. It's, it's not even so much just about rest, it's specifically about recovery. And if that's true, 
then the second thing I want to point out about the sermon this morning is there's really no easy way to say this, is that this, this invitation to spiritual recovery may actually be less applicable than we'd like to admit for a lot of Christians today. I pray that that's not true of us at West Hills. I know that it's not true of so many of us at Rest Hills, at West Hills. So many of you, Rest Hills, yeah, yeah. Um, subconscious slip there. Uh, yes, we're gonna turn it into Rest Hills this morning uh, because there's so many of us who have signed up uh, to work double shifts in Allie's kids' roster. So many of us uh, who, who have volunteered to give your days off of work to go volunteer at Bridge of Hope. So many of you who serve as our life group leaders, Sunday school teachers, our workplace evangelists, any of you out there who, who live to minister, to witness, to be on mission for Jesus in this world, this sermon is for you. We're blessed at West Hills to have so many of you who fit that category. But frankly, I think that preaching to most of the American church today about their need for spiritual recovery would be like telling that fourth string player for the blues who never steps foot on the ice, hey, make sure you're taking time out to rest and recover. You would think you're patronizing him, making fun of him. And so I wonder this morning if the reason that so many Christians struggle to carve out time and prioritize our quiet times with the Lord is that we don't perceive it as a felt need. When you sprint for a minute straight, running into players, you perceive your felt need for oxygen, right? I need to take a break after that. I just wonder if we find it difficult to slow down and rest in the Lord, to refill our spiritual tanks, to be poured into with his word and with his presence through prayer, could it be that it's because we're not actually spiritually tired in the first place? Uh, kids, where are my kids at this morning? Y'all joining us? Good. Um, kids, how many of you, be honest, how many of you are already getting restless? I'm six minutes into the sermon and you're, you're already restless. Thank you for your honesty this morning. Uh, parents, if you didn't get here early to let them play on the playground and get some energy out, we're going to be tr in trouble here in 10 or 15 minutes, right? And I, I wonder if we too find it tough to sit still with the Lord spiritually because we're not spiritually active enough. We don't get our spiritual energy out. Remember, Satan doesn't have to get Christians to skate for the opposite team to win. He just has to convince us that sitting in the stands and cheering for the right team from the sidelines is enough. While Jesus, our coach, has called us to get in the game. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. It's a big earth. There's lots of nations, lots of people, even, even here, right in this park, who in all probability don't know the Lord and need to, right? It's a big job that Jesus has left us with to make sure everyone hears this message, the gospel, and we should get tired often pursuing it. But here's the thing. The task is purposely too big for us. God intentionally set it up so that we would have to rely on him, so that we would have to take time to spiritually re refill our tanks with him. And so, 
for all of us this morning who do feel that felt need of spiritual recovery this morning, this message is for you. The who, what, where, when, and why of refilling your tank. I've asked our, our kiddos to help me out reading each passage as we go through here in their very loudest voices. Reminder, kids, you don't have a microphone, so you got to stand up and read really loud. All right, so first question, who? Who do we go to to recharge our spiritual batteries? And second part, who do we go with? Okay, so we already kind of answered part one. We go to Jesus. Come to me, come to me, Jesus, and I'll give you rest. But the second question here, who do we go to Jesus with, is kind of interesting. So you've heard this quiz before, right, uh, for determining whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. When you're tired, how do you recharge your batteries? Is it with time away from people or time with people? You've all heard this? Okay. So where are my extroverts at? Where are you people who get energized by time with people? Weirdos. Okay. Um, let me talk to you for a second, extroverts. I need you to listen to the first part of Jesus' answer to the question of who we go to Jesus with. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Who's reading that for us? Zoe? Zoe, nice and loud. You don't have to come all the way up. Just stand up and read it as loud as you can. Mark 1, 35. If you got your Bibles, you can try and flip there before she reads it. Good, thank you. Hey, as loud as you can, kids. And you guys, uh, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, we'll do some Bible um, races uh, this morning. Uh, if you want to follow along. Rising very early in the morning while it was dark, Jesus departed, went out to a desolate place and prayed. Who's got Mark 6, 30 through 32? Good, thank you. Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest. So they went by themselves. Okay, last one, Mark 7, 24. Thank you, you hear that? Jesus arose and entered a house and didn't want anyone to know. Like, maybe even his own disciples. Jesus just hiding out in this house. Extroverts reading through the Gospel of Mark might walk away thinking there's something wrong with Jesus. Like, why does he seem to want to get away from people so often? Is it because Jesus just hates people? No, Jesus loves people, but he knows that in order to give them what they need from him, he needs to step away at times and regularly refill his tank alone with God. Of all people, right? If anyone could have endured being around people all day long and continue to pour himself out in a healthy way, Jesus would have been the God. And keep in mind, every time Jesus disappears to the other side of the lake, or the other side of the mountain. Well, we hear about this all the time through Mark. He's leaving behind, walking away from masses of people who were hurting and begging him to stay. And yet, Jesus prioritized alone time with the Father. Why? So that when he returned to the crowds, they weren't getting the dregs. They, he wasn't running on spiritual fumes because Jesus, who created you extroverts, who had your hands up, he knows that the most extroverted among us still needs time alone with just you and God to recharge. And if you think that you don't, that probably has less to do with you loving people so much than it does with you hating to be alone. If you're honest with yourself this morning, maybe it's because of guilt or shame or some past trauma of being abandoned or, or just not liking yourself or whatever the reason may be that makes being alone difficult for you, it's probably more about that. All right, introverts, where are you hiding? 
introverts are, are hiding in the bathroom or whatever introverts do behind the punch table at the party. Uh, how else does Jesus answer this question of who we recharge our spiritual batteries with? Uh, Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Look at she memorized it. Good job. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. Mark 3.13. Went up on the mountain and he called to them those whom he desired. And lastly, Mark 3.20. Then Jesus retreated home. He retreated home, presumably to his family. Right? And time and time again, we see Jesus prioritize time alone, but also prioritize time and community with friends and family. And introverts, the most introverted amongst you, us, who is convinced that you could just disappear off the grid into the wild and never see another human again in your life and, and be you know, perfectly fine, maybe even be happier for it, guess what? That too probably has less to do with your being introverted than it does with your issues, with your baggage, relationship issues, trust issues. You've been hurt by people. Listen, I get it. I'm there with you. But hear this too, introverts. Of all people who had every right to say, forget you guys, I'm done with people. Jesus didn't do that. He didn't give up on his knuckleheaded disciples. He doesn't give up on you and me when we fail him time and time again. So that means we don't give up on each other either, right? Look around, introverts. Look around. You need these people. You need this community. Have I offended everyone now? Equal, equal opportunity offender. Good. So we can move on to second... Second question, what? We got who, what? Now that we know who, we refill with. Second question, what do we do to recharge our spiritual batteries? Well, we already read uh, Mark 1, 35, where Mark says, while it was dark, Jesus went out to desolate places and did what? He prayed. He prayed. So let's read Mark 6, 46 as well. He do. He prayed, right? We pray. We go to the Father. You need to refill your tank. God is your spiritual gas station. Not Facebook, not Netflix, not the Stanley Cup playoffs. These things are not inherently bad. They may even have their place in the Christian's life, but they're not ultimately the thing that's going to spiritually refill us. So at best, if you're trying to refill with these things, video games, the Cardinals game, whatever it is, at best you're putting the wrong kind of fuel in the tank. You're putting diesel in a gas-only engine. Right, we refill with Jesus, with his word, with scripture, with his presence, with prayer. All right, third question. We got who, what, where. So where do we go to refill recharge our spiritual batteries with Jesus. Jesus himself specifically sends us to two places for spiritual refilling. Mark 2.13, that's uh, Corinne. Can you stand up and read it nice and loud? Jesus went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming in there. He went out beside the sea. You want to commune with God? Get out in his creation. Jesus went to the sea. Gary used to reference Lake Michigan every sermon. Right? I, too, love large bodies of water as much as anybody. They're just in tragic short supply in St. Louis, right? We got plenty of water, just, especially now, just none you want to commune with God on. Uh, so where is it for you, right? I, I go to the woods. We go hiking a lot. We take daily walks together as a family. How and where do you meet with God in his creation? And the second place that Jesus specifically 
sort of validates for us to go to meet with God. Mark chapter 3, verse 1, read, Jesus entered, thank you, Henry, uh, Jesus entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. Okay, so we go to the synagogue, to church, to get spiritually refilled. All throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus, time and time again, he's at the temple, he's at the synagogue, and it wasn't just to pick fights with the Pharisees, he goes there to meet with his father. He told his, his, his mom when he was an adolescent, right? The one story we have about him. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Jesus said, I need this time together with God's people. And friends, we do too. This is good, right? As hot as it is, as uncomfortable and sweaty as we are, you're glad you're here and not anywhere else. Because when God's people are meeting to worship and meet with God, that's where you want to be. Where else, where else would you want to be? And maybe this is your first time in a long, I see a couple new visitors this morning. We're so glad you're here. Maybe this is your first time in a long time back at church. And by the way, we are at church. This is church in the park. We're in church right now with church. We all realize that, right? That's another reason that we're doing this this morning as a, as a reminder that church is not 13250 South Outer 40 Drive. Church is here. Church is us. Right? This is the church. We just happen to meet at that building most Sundays. But this is church. And if this is your first time attending in a while, we're so glad you're here. I pray you'll be so blessed by this time of community and worship with us that you'll leave saying, man, I need more of that in my life. I need that. And for our regulars, guess what? You need it too. And guess what? You need it just as much in the summer as you do in the fall and the winter and the spring. Just quickly... Kind of get a plug for this out, summer attendance. I don't know why it's kind of become an expectation in the church that you just kind of have a summer drop-off dip in attendance. You need church just as much in the summer. You go on vacation, find a church to worship with. And when they're here visiting St. Louis, because we still got some touristy stuff to check out, right? People will come here. We're hoping their pastor's encouraging them to worship with us. Attendance will just average out, right? We'll miss you. Come back the next week. But we need to be together. Where else would you want to be when God's people are worshiping him together than with them? Hebrews 10, 25. Amen? Amen. That leads us to question four. Kids, I know you're getting restless. Don't worry. Two questions left. Play some kickball. Uh, who, what, where, when? When do we steal away for spiritual refilling? Mark chapter 1, verse 45. Jesus couldn't enter the town. He, was, he had to stay outside town. People were coming out to him. The point here, I think, is we got to understand our limits, right? Even Jesus had limits. And at certain points in time, there were just too many people. Or it was too overwhelming, even for Jesus. And so, friends, we've all got limits. It's part of what makes us human. This painful reminder that God is God and we're not. Right? That we are not, in fact, omnipotent beings whose constant attention and effort are required to keep the earth spinning. And so I just kindly ask you this morning, do you trust that the sun will come up tomorrow if you take a day off the rest of today? Do you trust that? We may have some folks here this morning who, God bless you, you have been running dangerously close to that E on your spiritual gas meter for a long time now, spiritual fumes. You're teaching in West Hills Kids, the youth group, leading a life group, working AV, all while working your own full-time job, trying to disciple your own five kids. And man, 
you better find ways of regularly getting filled up because the laws of physics say you cannot give more than you got, Eli Sandhouse, right? But guess what? If Eli's gonna take a break, the break that he needs as a finite human to recharge his spiritual batteries, that means others, we've gotta step up, fill in the gaps, right? And so, I just put this in as a gentle reminder, tap on the shoulder again. If, if you were one of those, those folks, we've got 70% of our regular attenders at West Hills who regularly serve somewhere in the church. That's amazing. It's like double any other church I've ever heard of, of our size. And yet, that's still 30% shy of where we want to be, right? 100% of us playing our part. We've all got a role in the body of Christ. And I'll just throw this out too. Um, interestingly, all 11 of the passages that I've had the kids read this morning about where, where we see Jesus take a break and rest, they all come from the first seven chapters out of 16 in Mark's gospel, okay? What, what, what's my takeaway there? Well, I think Jesus was a man on a mission at the end of his life. He wanted to finish strong. He wasn't about to limp across the finish line. And so I'll just say as a word of encouragement to our retirees out there, thank you for braving the elements to be with us. I'll admit, I cannot personally empathize with the unique challenges of your stage of life, of physical limitations and fatigue and, and all of that, but I, I, I do pray that our retirees at West Hills would set the tone, set the pace, set the example for the rest of us with their selfless service of this church. That you would use your retirement, not as an excuse to do less work, spiritually at least, but more, more at the church, more in your neighborhood and your community to spread the gospel, because you've got more time for it now, right? <laughs> Man, I am so inspired and so grateful for those of you who do that, who model that for us. Praise the Lord for you. Such an encouragement to me as your pastor. And lastly, we got who, what, where, when, why. Why do we take time to refill our tanks with the Lord? Well, for starters, we already recognized that we have to. God created us with these limitations, so we must rest. We must literally die. We will literally die without sleep. But there's an even deeper and more important answer to this why question of why we take time to refill our tanks. It's not just because we have to, but because we can. We can. It's an invitation from Jesus this morning. Come to me. I'll give you rest. John 10.10. 10. I came that they might have life and have it to the fullest, have it abundantly. Jesus doesn't call us to be mere cogs in his spiritual machine. And as much ministry as Jesus himself got done here on earth, that's not even what Jesus modeled for us. Our last passage, Mark 2.15. Satan's at it again, trying to blow my sermon away. As Jesus is reclining at the table with his disciples, we get this beautiful picture of Jesus just hanging out with his disciples. Just having a good time, enjoying a meal. What a beautiful picture. Recharging his spiritual batteries, enjoying life with his friends. Because as much as we want to live with a sense of urgency, seeking to make the most of every day we're given, every opportunity for the, to, to live for the gospel that we're given, we also recognize, again, that we cannot give more than we've got. And that means that we don't just got 
to get more of Jesus every day. We get to get more of Jesus every day. Got that? <laughs> we don't just got to get more of Jesus every day. We get to get more of Jesus. Got it? Amen? All right, let's pray.